A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. MJ had an absolutely stellar performance. 45 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists and 3 steals. The following day in the Chicago Tribune, Bob Sakamoto wrote that MJ spent two days over Christmas at home in Wilmington, North Carolina, only to return with a belated gift for Chicago's basketball fans. MJ went 20 for 33, including six dunks in the 112-109 win over Cleveland. His 16 fourth quarter points were enough to hold off the Cavs after World B3 hit several threes in the last 118 to almost erase an 11-point Bulls lead. World B3. Jordan. <laughs> oh, my God. I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at North Carolina. <laughs> I think it really helped him. Spectacular player from the beginning. You can see right away Jordan was going to be a big-time scorer. And showed what an impact he was going to have on the league. This is NB85, celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Michael Jordan's rookie season in the NBA. And now, your hosts, Adam Ryan and Aaron Steen. Aaron, welcome back to episode 15 of NB85. How are you today, mate? I swear to God I did this this morning. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day. We recorded episode 14 about an hour and a half ago. NBA News Notes and Quotes December 25th, 1984 through January 8th, 1985. The next 15-day block of the NBA's 39th season Welcome back to our regular listeners, and if you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. Let's get straight into the episode, mate. There were four Christmas Day games that the NBA played in the 84-85 season. Atlanta at Cleveland, Philadelphia at Detroit, New Jersey at New York, and Golden State at Portland. In 2014, the games on Christmas Day are usually your big name, big market teams or teams that have great records. Atlanta at Cleveland doesn't exactly reek of storied tradition, does it? Not overly, mate. Bernard King was the winner of Christmas. He scored 60 points and had an amazing 40 in the first half in the New Jersey at New York game. However, the Nets played the role of Grinch and they won the game 120 to 114. Bernard King was quoted as saying, I'd rather have scored 10 and we had won the game. Now, King's 60 points was the highest NBA output since David Thompson of Denver had 73 points and George the Iceman Gervin had 63 points for San Antonio, both on the same day. Yeah, I was about to say, weren't those two two outputs by David Thompson and Gervin on, on the same day? They were indeed, mate. This was April 9, 1978. So... There's a story in itself to do with that massive scoring outburst from the Iceman and David Thompson, and we'll probably even chat about that in a future episode because it was an incredible battle for the scoring title, if memory serves correct. Actually, I have a vague memory of that that day of the 73 and the 63-point game. I believe I was about two months old at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was not even three years of age there, mate, so can't really remember too much. So you've got a very good memory at uh, the age of two months. 
Bernard King's 60 points actually surpassed the previous season high for 84-85, which we alluded to in a previous episode of this series. 59 points by Purvis Short, also against the New Jersey Nets. In Cleveland's win over Atlanta, it lifted the Cavs to 6-20 and on the season. However, it's worth noting that they were 3-1 and versus the Atlanta Hawks, and it was the fourth win in five games for the struggling Cleveland franchise. And that would just drive the Atlanta Hawks team and their fans absolutely crazy. Quite a stunning statistic in the scheme of things based on their terrible start to the season for the Cavs. On December 26, which we refer to as Boxing Day here in Australia, I'm pretty sure it's the same over in the US, Dallas were 124 to 118 winners in a home game against the LA Clippers. Now, the Mavs' Mark Aguirre had 31 points in this game. The Clippers' Norm Nixon had seven assists, and he also passed, literally, the 5,000 assist mark, which was a then-best among active players. On the 27th of December, Scotty Robertson, who was the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, had one of the great quotes of all time. He said, Larry Bird is so good, he makes a farce of the game. The people who are really spoiled are his teammates. Anybody who plays with him, then goes to another team, is in for a surprise. Also on this day, the Chicago Bulls played the Cleveland Cavaliers, speaking of Cleveland, and they won the game 112-108 to at Chicago Stadium in front of 10,551 fans. The Bulls improved their record to 16-14. and For Chicago, MJ had an absolutely stellar performance. 45 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists, and 3 steals. Orlando Woolridge went for 24 points. Wes Matthews had 10 points and 11 assists. And David Greenwood had 8 rebounds. For Cleveland, Lloyd B. Free, slash World B. Free, had 30 points. Phil Hubbard had 22 points, 8 assists and 4 steals. Great effort from him. And Mel Turpin had 14 points and 11 rebounds. Now, it's worth noting as well here that Mel Turpin was a number 6 pick in the 84 draft. He'd averaged 10.6 points and 5.7 rebounds in less than 25 minutes a game in this 85 season. Tragically, Mel Turpin passed away in 2010. Cleveland had a stretch earlier in the season where they had at least two of their starters missing from every game. And in this game, the Bulls shot 57.6% from the field and Cleveland were a lowly 44.3%. Future Chicago Bull, Ben Poquette, he had 21 games with the Bulls in the 1987 season, was on the Cavs roster, and his nickname was Gentle Ben, for what it's worth. Quite a few of the articles that we've mentioned in this podcast series were written by a gentleman named Bob Sakamoto. Bob had a 32-year career as a sports writer with the Chicago Tribune, four as beat writer for the Bulls from 1984-85 onwards. And he is currently the Assistant Director of Athletic Communications for DePaul University. Some good little background information there, mate. I'm impressed. Actually, can I just say one thing? We're talking about Phil Hubbard for the Cleveland Cavaliers because he's going to be playing against Jordan. Word has it, he took his old mother just to watch the game. It was quite interesting. (laughs) And as Jordan put 45 on him, the cupboard was bare. (laughs) (laughs) I had planned to say a joke about Hubbard the entire time once I saw his name in the show notes, and really the execution was lacking. Yeah, move on, mate. The following day in the Chicago Tribune, 
Bob Sakamoto wrote that MJ spent two days over Christmas at home in Wilmington, North Carolina, only to return with a belated gift for Chicago's basketball fans. MJ went 20 for 33 from the field, including six dunks, 11 assists, seven rebounds and three steals in the 112-109 win over Cleveland. His 16 fourth quarter points were enough to hold off the Cavs after World B3 hit several threes in the last 118 to almost erase an 11-point Bulls lead. World B3. Jordan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jordan's 29 second-half points included one of his rock-the-cradle dunks with 9.24 left, and Bill Hazen's, here's a kaboom, Aaron Jordan with 41. <laughs> Your US accent is just superlative. Wes Matthews was also key for Chicago in this game with 10 points. Bob's article stated that David Greenwood, tongue-in-cheek, said he won't be impressed until Jordan gets his triple-double that MJ told him that he'd get during that season. This article also has an NBA roundup attached to it with a picture of rookie Akeem Olajuwon dunking past fellow rookie and future teammate Otis Thorpe. Each time now, mate, I hear the name Otis Thorpe, I'm unfortunately going to start shivering and think back to that trivia question you gave me in the previous episode. OT over the top, perhaps? Yeah, that's about right. Um, MJ had six dunks in this game. So, yeah, pretty impressive effort, just to add to his incredible stat line that he already had. In the odds and ends from the Tribune on the 27th, had a very humorous piece talking about Charles Barkley's various nicknames. Uh, A recent game against Milwaukee was called the Charles Barkley Christmas Party and anyone over 260 pounds (laughs) was admitted to the game for free. (laughs) Oh, great stuff. On the 28th of December, the Detroit Pistons had a 116 to 110 victory at Indiana and the game featured a wrestling match between Bill Lambier and Steve Stepanovich. Stepanovich liked to get into it a, a bit, didn't he? As soon as I saw this note in one of the articles, I thought, I have to make mention of it because he's got into a couple of scraps slash fracas in the early 84-85 season and probably will continue into the rest of his career as well, I'm sure. Bill Lambier put a chokehold on Stepanovich as he drove to the basket and they each threw each other to the floor. As you do. As you do, of course. MJ had the leaner, Dominique had the windmill, Billy Lambier had the choke. <laughs> Now, on the same day, Julius Irving of the Philadelphia 76ers scored 20 points. Thank you for straightening that out, that Julius was from the 76ers. <laughs> well, I guess anybody listening to this show would clearly know that <laughs> Irving laced him up for the 76ers at this stage. And with those 20 points, he became the then fourth leading scorer in NBA-ABA history, surpassing the big O, Oscar Robertson, in Philly's 114-111 to 111 win at Utah. In the same game, Mark Eaton, former podcast guest, episode 49, had 10 points, 11 rebounds, and eight blocks. In the run sheet, you've got Mark Eaton, and then in brackets, you've got 49. I thought that you were about to tell us that he dropped 49 on the 76ers. <laughs> Not quite, but he that's the reminder for the episode, but uh, a very solid stat line across the board. They're almost a triple-double, just two blocks shy. Now, as it currently stands in January of 2015, while we record this, Happy New Year, by the way, uh, Dr. J is currently sixth all-time in NBA-ABA scoring at 30,026 points. In fact, that's not going to change because he's not going to play again. Um, But anyhow, 
In terms of NBA scoring, he had 18,364 points. And in the ABA, he scored 11,662, which is good for fifth all time. Now, the closest active player to Dr. J's NBA points is Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat. That could be one of the worst stats that you've given on the podcast. You dislike the Heat, as do I, so understandable. Dr. J should remain sixth all-time on combined NBA-ABA scoring because the ABA doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Mm. Went out of style a while ago, I suppose. When people just say, oh, Dr. J's sixth all-time in scoring in the NBA, it's usually overlooked the fact that you know, 11,000 plus of those points came from the ABA. People don't actually realize it existed. It's usually overlooked the fact that he's not actually sixth all-time in NBA scoring. Yeah, that's right. On December 29, the Atlanta Hawks were 104 to 101 winners against Chicago at Chicago Stadium in front of 12,695 fans. The Bulls dropped to 16 and 15. Atlanta snapped Chicago's three-game winning streak. The Bulls led by as many as 14 in the second quarter after MJ threw down a monster jam over Tree Rollins and MJ scored nine of the Bulls' last 11 points, but alas, was still not enough. For Chicago, Steve Johnson had another great game with 27 points. I've got here that he had X rebounds, so I don't actually know how many rebounds he actually got. Mm. Not sure what Woolridge got either because I don't actually have his point total. Um Jordan and Quinton Daly combined for 21 points apiece, and Corwell Jones had 10 rebounds. And for Atlanta, Doc Rivers had 20 points and 11 assists. Kevin Willis had 17 points and 5 boards. Dominique had 14 points. And Cliff Levingston, two-time NBA champion with the Bulls in 91 and 92, had 10 points for the Atlanta Hawks. I'm pretty sure to this day that Steve Johnson's ex-rebounds is still a record in an (laughs) NBA game. To paint a picture, Bob Sakamoto said that the most exciting thing about the Bulls in this game were their pre-game dunks in the layup line. <laughs> Steve Johnson started the game very well with 15 of his 27 in the first quarter alone and Daly had 12 in the second as Bulls fans were hoping for another blowout like the 25-point route of the champion Celtics a few days prior. The Bulls got out by as many as 14 in the second term before falling in a hole against a travel-weary Atlanta team that had been in four cities in the previous five days. The Hawks outscored the Bulls 37-21 to in the third term. That's rather damning. MJ was quiet with only 12 points before scoring nine in the last two minutes to almost pull the win out of the bag. Nine points in two minutes. He just went into takeover mode. And it just wasn't quite enough. So, again, his patience would have been tested supremely in this early season because they were in games for a majority of the time and yet just kept fading away. Now, on December 29, Larry Bird endured a bloody nose 24 seconds into Boston's 120-112 to 112 win at San Antonio. He returned later in the first quarter and went on to record his third consecutive triple-double, 18 points, 15 rebounds and 10 assists. He injured himself going for a rebound against Artis Gilmore. So a pretty solid effort there from Larry Bird. Speaking of triple-doubles, Magic Johnson of the LA Lakers racked up his eighth triple-double of the early season with 15 points, 16 assists, and 10 rebounds in the Lakers' 113-107 to win versus the Crosstown Clippers. It was LA's seventh straight victory. Just two games took place on December the 30th, and there were no games played on New Year's Eve in 1984. 
So as we round out the calendar year, mate, it's appropriate that we make mention of the first two NBA players of the month in this 84-85 season. For November, it was Alex English of Denver. In 13 games in November, the Nuggets went 11-2, and including a nine-game win streak. All Alex did was average 30.2 points a game on 55% field goal shooting. So awesome stuff there. He was a, a gentleman I was lucky enough to meet a few years ago at at a Basketball Australia uh, breakfast here in Melbourne, a very nice guy. The December NBA Player of the Month was Larry Bird of Boston. In 18 games, the Celtics went 13-5, and five, and Larry averaged 26.1 points, 10.9 rebounds, and 6.8 assists, all the while shooting 51.3% from the field. So fantastic numbers all around from both Alex English and then Larry Bird. Chicago, their team splits for the year to date. In October, they went 3-1. and one. November, they were 6-8. and eight. And in December, they went 7-6. and six. They rounded out 1984 with a 16-15 record. Let's move into January of 85. On the second, Atlanta were 121-107 to 107 winners against the Bulls in a home-and-home series back at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, in front of 11,274 fans. And the Bulls dropped back to 16-16. and 16. Chicago were led by MJ with 25 points. He had a really good game shooting-wise, 10 of 14 from the field. He had seven boards, four assists. Orlando Woolridge had 25 points, and David Greenwood had 10 rebounds. For the Hawks, the human highlight film had 35 points on 13 of 21 from the field. He had seven boards. Doc Rivers had 13 points and a then-career high of 15 assists. Now, Corwell Jones for Chicago broke his finger in this game and he wouldn't return until February the 17th of 85, which was coincidentally Jordan's 22nd birthday. MJ also had two busloads of family and friends come in from his hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina, to watch him play in this game. It was called an old-fashioned southern whipping. and I couldn't believe that when I read that in the article. And a painfully inept performance by (laughs) the Chicago Tribune's Bob Sakamoto the Hawks shot almost 60% in the first half on their way to a 63-52 halftime lead and they didn't let up in the third, extending to a 84-62 to lead halfway through the third quarter. The Bulls probably should have stayed home after more NBA-related airplane trouble. <laughs> their plane to Atlanta was delayed because of a mechanical problem and didn't arrive to their hotel until 2 a.m. on the game day. The Hawks shot 53%, led by Neeks, 13 for 21, and Eddie Johnson's 8 for 14. Steve Johnson twisted his back trying to dunk on Trey Rollins, among a few other injuries sustained during the game, although none were overly serious. Trey Rollins blocked three shots in the first four minutes of the game. Hardly minute bowl numbers, but still enough to dictate momentum. Speaking of uh, Steve Johnson injuring himself trying to dunk on Trey, did he hurt like the trunk of his body or... Anyhow, <laughs> moving on. Now, you mentioned Eddie Johnson. In the NBA world, there's actually two Eddie Johnsons. The first played from 1978 through 1987. And for what it's worth, his brother is Frank Johnson, who would be a member of the 1993 Phoenix Suns. And I better stop, mate. You're waving your hand. No doubt a Frank Johnson sledge. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as Frankie Airball Johnson. <laughs> I knew you were a big fan of Frank, so as soon as I said his name, (laughs) I watched you on the camera to see what you do. The second EJ, who most people would more regularly identify with, Eddie Johnson played from 82 through 1999. 
He's a former podcast guest in episode 41 of the show, a great guy and winner of the NBA's Sixth Man of the Year Award. Also on January 2, Akeem Olajuwon hit a game-winning jumper, the first of his NBA career, with three seconds left as Houston escaped Denver 113-111. to The win put Houston into a tie with Denver in the Midwest at 19-13. and Fat Lever missed a desperation three at the buzzer to win the game. The Twin Towers combined for a very handy 56 points and 26 rebounds. Unquestionably, Fat was fouled on that shot attempt. Oh, no doubt, mate. He would have made the shot otherwise, let's be honest. In Detroit's 108-100 to victory over Cleveland, also on the same day, Bill Lane Beer exploded. Not literally, but he scored 35 points and had 21 rebounds. Now, more on this game towards the end of this episode. There would be a number of Bill Lane Beer's opponents and opposing fans that wish at some point in time <laughs> during his career he had have literally, literally exploded. <laughs> Sorry, I had trouble getting that one out. On the 3rd of January, an article suggested that Phoenix were looking to file a lawsuit against the LA Lakers owner, Dr. Jerry Buss. Now, it relates to an incident in a preseason game at LA where Phoenix's Walter Davis, UNC legend, slipped on the slick floor, which subsequently tore three ligaments in his right knee. He remained on the injured list ever since, to the point where this article was written. He led the Suns in scoring in the 84 season with 20 points a game, and he'd only played 23 games in the 85 season, but his NBA career would continue through until 1992. So that was an interesting little tidbit. I'm sure that looking to file a lawsuit over this was drawing a bit of a long bow. It's not like Walter Davis would have been the only player in NBA history who slipped on the floor before. I thought you were going to go with your drawing a long buoy and try and work it in there somehow, mate, but um, yeah. No Sam in this one, sorry. No Sam, that's all right. Milwaukee won their ninth straight game, 111-87 over the visiting Clippers. Former Buck Marcus Johnson received an ovation pre-game. He also led Los Angeles with 21 points. And for the Bucks, the ever-impressive Paul Pressey had 10 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists in the first quarter and then he'd finish with 17 points, 12 rebounds and 11 assists, a very handy triple-double. On the 4th of January, in a pre-game ceremony at Boston, Red Auerbach was honoured with a symbolic number 2 raised to the Boston Garden rafters. Red was coach of the Celtics or GM of the Celtics for each of their then 15 NBA championships and Boston went on to win 105-94 to against the New York Knicks. Also on the same day, we'll chat about a Bulls game now, mate. Chicago won 106-101 to over the Milwaukee Bucks at Chicago Stadium in front of 13,357 fans and the Bulls record went up to 17-16. and Quentin Daly had 26 points on 11 of 19 from the field. MJ scored 22 points and had 6 assists. Steve Johnson had 12 points and 13 rebounds. And Jawan Oldham had 7 points, 10 rebounds and 4 blocks. So one of the better games of the season for Jawan Oldham. And for Milwaukee, they were led by Sid the Squid. Sidney Moncrief had 29 points. Terry Cummings had 24 points, 7 boards and 5 assists. Paul Pressey had 13 points, 6 boards and 10 assists. And Craig Hodges, future NBA champion of the Bulls in 91 and 92, had 12 points for Milwaukee. On the 5th of January, there was an article titled Daily Bulls Riddle Bucks. Now, Adam, if you like minutia, you are going to enjoy this. Bring it on, mate. I love it. The article said that as a youngster, 
the local police department wanted to send Daly to its academy to become a sharpshooter. <laughs> Such was his prowess with a pistol. He also chalked up numerous state titles on the pool table with his dead-eye, hand-eye coordination. Hang on. Chalked up and pool table? Is that a play on words? Did you do that? Or oh, that's from the article? That's from the article. That's very clever. <laughs> I love that sort of wordplay. In this game, he went 11 for 19 for 26 points to again show his ability to hit the bullseye and help the Bulls break the Milwaukee Bucks' nine-game win streak. Daly hit five jumpers in a row, and MJ scored seven down the stretch to seal the win in the fourth quarter. Juwan Oldham filled in for the injured Caldwell Jones well in this game with seven points, ten boards, and four blocks. There was also an article about Oldham titled Intimidating Oldham Makes Pivotal Point, which was attached to the game summary of this article. Dave Corzine started the game, but surprise, surprise, at Chicago Stadium, he was ineffective. <laughs> Orlando Warridge described Jawan's play in this game as playing with wild abandon. There's plenty of great little bits and pieces in that article there that you've referred to. I love the fact that he was dubbed as a sharpshooter and handy with a pistol. Uh, that's, that's particularly impressive. He sounds like he was a really interesting guy, Quentin Daly. He sadly passed away in 2010, I think, from memory, but... I'm sure as a Bulls beat writer, you would have liked to chat with Quentin Daly. Um, now, moving on, mate. This game also featured a promotion from Schick, which is called Dad's Appreciation Night. Now, the first 5,000 men through the door received a shaving kit. And depending on the attendance on the night, they had a backup plan for a low crowd and they would have given some of the shavers to the women who were in need of a bit of a trim as well. Now, the win even the Bulls season series with Milwaukee at two games apiece. No chic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know. I'm not sure if any of that will make it in the episode, but we'll see how it goes when I listen back. Now, uh, <laughs> it was a close shave if it does. Now, on the 5th of January, New York were 119 to 113 wins. Again, I'll start again. On the 5th of January, New York were 119 to 113 winners against the Bulls at Madison Square Garden in New York in front of a great crowd of 17,865. The Bulls defeated the Bucks, who are one of the NBA's better teams, and then Bulls go and visit New York and lose to one of the NBA's lower-ranked teams. And the Bulls dropped to 17 and 17 on the season. Just briefly revisiting that chic dad's appreciation night, that's almost the best a man can get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. In the back of my mind, I'm just trying to think of any other Shaving-related puns, but no, I can't get there, mate. Can't get there. As it's a family show, we'll move on. We're entering dangerous territory. On this January 5 game, for the Bulls, Jordan had an absolute blinder. He led Chicago with 42 points on 16 of 25 from the field. He had seven rebounds and four assists. Orlando Woolridge went for 27, and Dave Corzine had a blinder, 20 points and 12 rebounds. He must love playing in New York during this season particularly. And there were only three Bulls who had 10 points or more in this contest, and that was MJ, Woolridge, and Corzine. For the Knicks, Bernard King was 34 points, four rebounds, and five assists, and Pat Cummings had 20 points. It's an unconfirmed rumour that Dave Corzine actually still had that X marks the spot from the previous game at Madison <laughs> Square Garden. <laughs> he still had the little tape marks on the floor. Tape marks on the floor. Now, the Knicks ended their six-game losing streak. That sort of sums up how much of a high the Bulls went from in Chicago, beating the Bucks, to then travelling to New York and being defeated by the struggling New York Knickerbockers. 
This is a game that we will be breaking down in depth uh, as we have a copy of it on DVD. So I look forward to you or whoever the case may be allegedly sending it to me in the mail. Allegedly is the key word. An article the following day entitled Bulls Bottom Out Against Knicks. I've written here, Sack. Yeah, you've just gone straight to the shorthand. I've gotten that comfortable with the great man, Bob Sakamoto, that I've <laughs> just called him Sack. Sack spoke about how it's almost freaky, how streaky the Bulls have been. His words. They beat the hottest team in the NBA, snapping the Bucks' nine-game win streak, only to lose to one of the worst teams in the NBA, the New York Knickerbockers. MJ said they came in flat and complacent after the Milwaukee win. Clearly, with 42 points on 16 for 25 shooting, he wasn't referring to himself. <laughs> no, not at all. That's an absolute banner game from MJ, and it showed from even his rookie season how much he just relished being in the Madison Square Garden confines. Luckery said they were lousy in, in the first half and apparently missed 12 to 15 layups, most of which were by Dave Corzine. And uh, finished the game with 23 turnovers. And just in a little tidbit, the previous night, Atlanta beat New Jersey 124-144 to 144 behind 29 points from Dominique. The Hawks broke out of the gate in this game, dropping 49 in the first quarter. <laughs> you got to be pretty happy with the offensive output there. Also on January 6th, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had 28 points and hit a 12-foot baseline jumper. Yes, baseline jumper, not a skyhook, at the buzzer over Artis Gilmore as the Lakers escaped with a 99-98 win against San Antonio Spurs. On January the 8th, Alex English scored 41 points to help his Denver team end the Lakers' nine-game win streak in a 126-124 victory at LA. Kareem had 35 points and 12 rebounds in the second straight game without the magic man Irvin Johnson, who missed the game with an injured right index finger. Just going into some players of the week for this time frame, the week of December 30, Michael Ray Richardson of the New Jersey Nets was the player of the week, finishing with 28.8 points per game. The Nets went 4-0, all games versus New York and Detroit, four games in five days. And January 6, Isaiah Thomas of Detroit was the player of the week, 24.7 points per game, and the Pistons went 3-0 and during that week. So a bit of an underwhelming player of the week award there for Isaiah. <laughs> and let's get into the individual highs for this time frame. In terms of points, we alluded to it early in the episode. Bernard King went for 60 against New Jersey on Christmas Day. He was 19 of 30 from the field and a staggering 22 of 26 free throws in the one contest. Some people don't even shoot 26 free throws in the season themselves. In terms of rebounds, Billy Lane Beer had 21 in a matchup that we mentioned earlier. It was against his former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, on the 2nd of January. Lane Beer had 131 games with Cleveland before he was sent to Detroit in a trade in mid-February of 1982. And in terms of assists, the aforementioned Isaiah Thomas of Detroit had 17 assists in a game at Indiana on the 28th of December. Now, we'll round out the episode, mate, with the NBA standings through January the 8th. The division leaders in the Atlantic, the Celtics were on fire, 29-6. In the Central, the Milwaukee Bucks were flying at 23-14. and 14. In the Midwest, the Houston Rockets were 21-14. and 14. In the Pacific Division, the Lakers were 24-11. and 11. Chicago were an even 
500 at 17 and 17. They went 2 and 3 in this span of time we've chatted about today. Cleveland were 9 and 23, still at the bottom of the NBA. However, they had gone 4 and 3 since a 5 and 20 start. So that brings us to an end of the episode, Aaron. Is there anything you'd like to add before we conclude this 15th installment of NB85? Despite 60 from Bernard on Christmas Day in New Jersey winning that game, they really were the giddy-up that sold Christmas, weren't they? Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show.